0: Welcome back to the podcast. If you're listening, League of Ventures, once again, Joel, got a special fan series interview uh, lined up here and a content creator as well. Um, No doubt Warriors fans would have seen this page. Goes, I really like the way uh, you look into the the plays in that as well and look into the actual game itself. I think that's a very rare thing that not a lot of people actually do and take the time to do. And I find it fascinating. But it's a great time to be, be a Warriors fan, to, to look into this. And I thought, what a great time to get a, a Warriors fan on. So really happy to introduce up, uh, obviously Instagram as well. But just say, first of all, let everyone know where they can actually find your page and a little bit about the page and, and what made you create it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me on here on League of Ventures. Um, yeah, I started the page in uh, the start of the season. I uh, actually started off with a podcast. I do a little podcast as well called the Wise Up Podcast. Uh and it started off with that, and then I started you know, doing a video analysis. So I just thought it was a space that um, wasn't really being done. or uh, And I suppose in other sports, I'm a big fan of the NFL. Um, they have uh, what they call All-22 footage, where they have even bird's-eye view footage of uh, that you can get access to as a fan, and you can analyze how your team's doing and how the plays work. And so I just thought, well, we're just really – don't have that type of access um, as sports fans, you know, the more hardcore, I suppose, rugby league fans, they want to see why are these plays working, what's happening. And um, so I just started doing little videos, uh, cutting them up and doing them in slow-mo. As I started to kind of analyze the team, I started to watch and, you know, uh, what's it called, point five zero speed or whatever it is. And um, so I started to see little details as I went along. And then I just started to share it with people, uh, not knowing, you know, really just for myself personally just but if anyone wanted to watch it they could and uh, so since then it's just picked up on instagram uh i try to keep it to 35 40 seconds um as uh or fox sports and then rl uh get those uh, licensing uh hey you're using one of our products can you your your video is banned so i try and keep it to a short amount of time so that it doesn't uh, you know but but actually that works for a lot of people uh i find the instagram and tiktok people just want short uh, quick information quickly and, and and so that's what I've kind of been doing for the last well four or five months or however long the season's been. And it's built traction. Uh, people have loved it. Uh, not only Warriors fans, but people outside of the fan base uh, have seemed to enjoy my stuff. Some guys are saying, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, you're, um, you're giving away the six secrets. I am like, guys, they have their own analyst team, man. <laughs> they, they, they don't yeah. care about what I'm doing. Uh, this is just for us uh, because we don't really get that detailed look. I suppose the best you probably think about it as Cooper Cronk and, and Matty Johns when they get time to break down plays, but for warriors, um, you know, essentially, um, uh, you know, I'm probably the only one doing it technically. Um, but if they had their own team that presented it to us, I I, I would stop doing it pretty much, but I only just started doing it because it was something I was in. And then I thought just to share it with everyone and they really enjoyed it, man. So I've just had really a lot of opportunities and growth from that, that experience. And, um, um just continuing to do what i am do trying to improve it each little bit of every time um and um yeah that's pretty much me man i'm on instagram i just got on tiktok uh just look at what up um and you'll find me there youtube i do a bit of a detailed one It's called the wananga um i go into detail like break down all the plays for over like a 30 minute period so i've got a bit of a long form format type thing now and um and then just on Spotify, the, the, the podcast as well. So, yeah, that's me, man. That's pretty much what I do.
0: Yeah, yeah well, you've heard it just there, guys. Uh, please make sure you go like and subscribe uh, to the pages uh, where you're either on and how you're, where you're interested, the long version, the short version, audio, things like that. he has got the whole thing covered. So it's perfect uh, to see from a passionate rugby league fan myself. I love to get on it and watch the videos. So um just want to talk to you about your journey as a, a fan of the Warriors as well and, and how that has been for you obviously to then get into this side of things you have to be a, a pretty passionate fan to live and breathe this stuff so just talk yeah. to us about your journey as a Warriors fan because you obviously it's it's hard for and every time I speak to Zealand New- uh, Kiwi players and things like that it's hard because rugby is so strong and just overpowers yeah. rugby a lot of the time it is starting to change and get a little bit more momentum as the Warriors continue this run they're currently on but just tell us how that sort of works for you growing up and becoming a, a rugby league and Warriors fan.
1: Yeah, I grew up in a, in a suburb called Two North uh, in, in West Auckland. Um, and it's a stronghold for rugby league, well, in parts. Um, and there's a club called, there called the two Roosters that I was a junior of. So I went there, the, you know, the park wasn't far from where I lived and I played my junior footy at um, Two. At and so I suppose that was my first introduction to rugby league and, you know, the, um, that was in the in the early '90s. I was, a, and then by the time the Warriors came, you know, that I kind of just naturally fell into place. And and as a fan or existing player, you know, I, I fell in love with the team. Um, you know, I was a big fan since that the the introduction in '95. I was only a kid though, so it really wasn't until the uh, we had a strong s- uh, run in the early 2000s, and um, I was a teenager at that time, and uh, the team was just phenomenal. Um, they were tough, they were gritty, they had, um, you know, ball playing, um, the magic line for Rabs. they're playing basketball, you know, it was uh, from mm-hmm. Sionim Fa throwing the ball behind his back. It was just that type of uh, exciting, fun time, if you think about it as a fan, and um, you didn't know what you were going to get because offloads were coming from every which angle, and, um, you know, the, the, I suppose the Pacific influence, seeing uh, myself being Māori and, and part Samoan, you just got to see guys like... Uh, Henry Fafili, uh having so much fun out there. Francis Malley bowling guys. Oh, you know, like, you started to see Love the Pacific pre- yeah, Pacific presence was strong in the team. And you felt that these were your heroes, you know, because they, they stood for, they played the sport that you loved and, and they did it in such a way that made it so beautiful. Um, I suppose that was part of the curse, as, though, as there was many seasons after that, that, that they were, they were uh, soul-destroying in some ways, or, you know, just really tough um but that, that got me hooked and you know when, when you when you get addicted or caught up in the sport um, it just it just holds you no matter how your team's going you're, you're trying to find a way to you know get in the eight or whatever it may be even though you might be a minus 225 points you're thinking man if i can get to minus 187 points <laughs> you know you, you can get in the top eight or something like that you, you start yeah. talking about points differential and um okay if we just get rid of this guy whatever you know it, 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 you start to really get into it and um but yeah that impression that that team left on me early on and uh, it's carried me through to you know the 2011 when we had another good run and then the last 10 years have been really tough as a fan base um but to come to this point now we're just uh, you know as a fan base and I think everyone in general in the NRL very um they've got a little soft spot for the Warriors and I suppose we're just enjoying that ride right now and enjoying you know other people enjoying what we're as a fan base but um yeah, that's kind of my story, man. Um, watch the team every week, uh, and now that I'm doing the content creation, it's kind of, you know, I'm trying to get more into it um, and meeting really good, good people in the community. Uh, really good fan base. The Warriors. I know we kind of um, there's a there is a negative element to each fan base. They had they have their yeah you know, people that will bring them down, or but uh, the majority of Warriors fans that I know uh, are very good people and uh, been happy to be
0: a part of that community. Were you one of the nudie runners? What's that? Were you, one, were you one of the nudie runners early in the year? No, no.
1: No, man, not me, not me, man. But um, nah, I, I'll try to stay away from that type of thing if I can. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I hope not. Um,
0: just – just you, you sort of started uh, It's good to segue into this year and talking about what the Warriors are doing as a whole is phenomenal. And uh, it's – the Warriors are a funny club because they're so hard to hate. And I don't, I've never met a rugby league fan that hates the Warriors. So it's it's that cliche that you've heard this year. Everyone has said it. If their team's not in finals football, it, the Warriors are their second team. That's who the team they're yeah. going to adopt. And I think it speaks volumes of what has Andrew Epster brought into the club and what the senior players have created this year as a whole and, and the club as a whole. Um Talk to us about the start of that and Andrew Epstein walking in was, was there a little bit of negativity with that original signing just because he wasn't a known uh, coach and things like that, or was there a bit of hype around his signature from the start?
1: I think if you think about the Warriors in the last 10 years and and, and more so over the last five or four or five years, uh, the pattern has been uh, hire a coach on a three-year deal or four-year deal, whatever it may be. Uh, and then within two years he's out the door, uh, and then you got a new coach, and that pattern has just continued and perpetuated over the last ten or so years. That fans got a bit sick of it, uh, to be honest. And with COVID and the results of last year, uh, there was a natural negativity to not wanting to rebuild, like you know, getting a quick fix, um, and, and 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 stopping this process of continually trying to buy our way out or, or pick the wrong person, and and. And a person that didn't, you know, truly love the club. I mean, um, not to discredit Nathan Brown. I thought he did the best he could on the circumstances, but you just knew that he didn't want to be there long term and to build something. Um, so it was kind of as a fan base, that was that was a thing we were struggling with, uh, and, and didn't want to try and continue that pattern. On and especially with someone unknown to an extent, and Andrew Webster. Um, but I saw shades of Ivan Cleary. Uh, and if you think about it, in our, in our history, uh, even with Daniel Anderson, we've always had kind of the unknown assistant that's been the uh, the, the person to kind of uh, refresh the club uh, and to kind of drive it into a new direction or a new a new culture. So I, I was hopeful that you know he would come with a lot of um, of I suppose things from Penrith and, and in general just from his own experiences to. To bring into the club and give it a freshness and I suppose especially timing it with coming back to New Zealand full-time um, and some new signings that were exciting but you, you didn't think oh, you know the the, the usual uh, Warriors uh Aussie signing is someone that's on the back end and doesn't really want to you know give a full shift in terms of energy and effort and so you, you looked at Dylan Walker and and new court and thought they're good but uh, in, in our culture, they're going to suffer and they're not going to deliver based on the mon- amount of money they're getting. You know, so there was all that kind of, you know, uh, I suppose as fans, because we've been through that uh, so many times, you're starting to think all those thoughts again. Um, but we were so pre- pleasantly surprised when he came in, and uh, you know, early on, especially in the preseason, we just saw a, a structure and a style that was something we hadn't seen in a while, and then it started to manifest throughout the season. And then as you talk to the guy and see his press conferences, everyone starts to buy into it. So initial apprehension, but now it's kind of like, okay, we're all on board we get what he was trying to do. We love the signings. We love that everyone's bought in. And so we're just in a happy space right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think for mine, a big thing that goes towards that and just his style and how he was is the player I want to first off talk to you about is Sean Johnson. And, and we know now, he basically called Sean Johnson within the first day or two and reassured to him he's part of his plans. He wants to cut things back with him, simplify his game and just have him focus on certain areas. And I've said this a number of times last few weeks on, to, to uh, people messaging the page or on videos that this is almost the best version of Sean Johnson that I've ever seen in a way because – I know it's not his flashiness that's getting the um, headlines and all the, the stepping and things up, like but it's the way he's controlling the game and how he's grabbing the, the 17 players around him or 16 players around him and bringing them with him and being that leader on the field. You can clearly see he's he's the leader for mine. And it's his form has obviously gone back onto the players and it's the Warriors' form in a nutshell. And we're, we're, with Sean Johnson... As a fan, I've got no doubt he's probably one of your all-time favourite Warriors as well. When you first got him, I reckon they might, it might have been met with uh, – because his time with the Sharks, we got to be honest, wasn't great. It was just – he just was missing something, and it was probably the fact that he was homesick. Was it originally met with a little bit of, um, oh, I'm not too sure if the SJ we're going to get back is the right one we need at the moment, but it's quickly changed into the, I hope this SJ carries on for another couple of years
1: yeah yeah no it has I think I think the way the SJ left and uh, the club how they kind of um, released him and stuff it was hard, hard for the fans um, it was hard for me and and then seeing him in um, in Cronulla, you know kind of envied him and, and kind of was a bit you know hard towards Sean and sometimes I think people felt that way but you got to remember Sean went through a lot uh, of instability at the club pretty much after our 2011 season when Ivan left the the, the the foundation fell apart um, and we just went through that cycle that I was just talking about earlier. So he's seen, you know, that pattern, And even though he loved the club, he would have just seen new coaches every year, um, new playing staff, you know, everything. And so uh, kind of him leaving at that time was good for him, but you could tell, like you said, when he went to the sharks, it was, it didn't feel right for him. Um, and you can kind of tell that through his performance and consistency, injuries, all those things, so when he was coming back, I was, you know, I think as a fan base, we were really excited. We wanted Sean, we, we'd been through hell ourselves uh, as a club, um, but we were excited to see how he'd go. But then obviously the last two years playing away, you just saw the, the weight of, um, of that on a lot of the players, but especially Sean. Sean, I suppose, is the most uh, emotional uh, in my eyes in the club in terms of his football feeds from his emotion, how he is personally. Um, and it was it was cool hearing Webb or him saying you know um, that he's really grateful that Webby's made it a happy place to work and I I, I do think that Sean when he's in a happy state and in a happy environment it just feeds off onto his football um, so it's, it's no wonder that Webby's come and, and you know reassured him that he's part part of the plans um, and that type of thing that his football has just gone to a new level and like you said this is the best version of him. I think partly because Webby has created that environment for him that, um, you know, he's not only home, but he's at the Warriors and the Warriors is a place where the culture is good at the moment. You know, now it's a place that you want to work. It's got a culture and coaching staff that drives excellence and and standards and, you know, and he's probably matured a little bit in his life, Sean, so that he's in a place where, you know, he's settled now and he, he can compartmentalize, you know, his family life and, and those things because if you think about Sean he, he was probably the greatest improviser of, of, of footy but at the same time that was a curse um, sometimes he pushed the pass too many times or he ran into to brick walls you know it looked like it was going to open up and then it, and so I think too much improvisation kind of wasn't necessarily good for Sean whereas now you're seeing a very structured system that he knows the channels he works and he's smarter he's, he's, he's better than what he was but He's not having to create stuff off the top. Like the old Warriors of teams was like four head-ups. Okay, Sean, you figure out what to do on the last. Okay, it's up to you, bro. So he was being asked to create everything. Um, But now he's in that that nice space where creation is coming from the middle of the field from Torhu and Walker and those players. And he's only creating off of, you know, whatever it may be. So uh, just it's nice to have Sean. I, I do believe Sean, however Sean goes, the team goes. And not just from his play style, but from emotional side of things. So part of that stability you're seeing on the field is, is I would think, big part because Sean's digging in, he's working hard. So the boys are feeding off of Sean and thinking, okay, I'm going to dig in and work hard as well. But yeah, that's, that's how powerful Sean is. I think Webby's kind of captured that and said, well, I want to – Reassure this guy that he's he's part of the plan, I want because I need him on board and because he's so vital. But yeah, it's amazing what we've seen from Sean this year, man. We can't believe it as fans. We're like, what the heck? We we wanted to get rid of you last year, and now you, we want to keep you for the next three or four years. You know, so it's crazy. Yeah,
0: you are summing up perfectly there. And there's a cliche in rugby league that it says that forwards win your your games and the backs decide by how many. I feel like in a way that does apply to you guys, but I want to focus on the, the back three uh, for a couple of minutes. And just for mine, they've been the full back three of the competition this year, and Sharns has been phenomenal at the back. Uh, Dallin and and Marcelo Montoya have been phenomenal on the wings. And it's not just um, – it, it's the way they start the sets for you guys. They're so, so good at getting the metres. But it's also the way they finish the sets as well, and the the ways they can get the ball down in the corner is phenomenal. So I just want to ask you about that, and and just I, I think at the start of the year, like Dallin was sort of a, and, and sort of Marcelo as well, sort of both around that mold. where again, where a lot of the players were, whereas it's like, oh, I'm just not sure should we replace these guys or where are they looking at? I thought they're just it's phenomenal to watch them at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you even if, even if you think about the typical Warriors winger, it was always in the in the vein of Maru yeah. Uh, you know. And I suppose as fan base, we we were used to that big winger that does your big carries, but then also can get caught out a lot, you know, defensively and having to turn kicks in and in behind. So you know, we've kind of changed that model. Uh, the Ken Malmalo type, you know, um, bigger bigger winger. So I think as a fan base, we've slowly come used to you know the the, the kind of wily, rangier but but strong winger, um, uh, and those two man, they do a, they do a wonderful job. Um, They're they, you know for for Dallin, you know, there's a piece out at the moment I think on on one of the New Zealand Rugby League shows about him just at the Brandt Bulldogs. Just he had a really tough time there, you know. Um, I think he scored two tries in two years or something at the Bulldogs. You know, it was that bad for him, and and you kind of thought. He he thought he was going to hang the boots up, and um, you're kind of thinking, "Well, man, this, you know, he's on big money at the Warriors. You know, why have we got this guy?" But then you start to see the quality that he has uh, when things are going well, and he's got a good coach. And um, and the same for Montoya, just you know, a, a bit part player at the Bulldogs. You know, kind of a guy you don't really rate, um, but in the system, you know, he he's he's been very consistent. Um, and then caps it off with, with, with chance, you know, chance kind of resurrecting his career. We know what happened at, at the Raiders and, and kind of, um, so, but again, we, we thought that, you know, there's good, decent players, but not, they're not going to be the, the sustaining, you know, um, like you said, yardage guys to, to help you out consistently, but it's been the opposite. They have been. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, like you look at Dallin and Montoya, they got no fear. Uh, when I, when I look at them, carry the ball, um, they carry without fear. They go right into contact. Montoya, he's got a strong kind of fend and, and and bar, you know, um, bump. And then and then Dallin's just got fearlessness when he runs into the line. And um, you know, those boys, they just provide so much energy off the, off the um, coming out of our own end. And then Chance just he's he's developed his game too. Where you know Chance, if you really look at him, is just a strong ball runner, and, is, and has and kind of always been that in that vein. But now under Webster, he's starting to develop his link play. You know his his kind of ball playing. So that's been another revelation. And if you hear Chances in interviews and um, stuff, he talks about. You know, I'm like a kid. I'm like I feel like I'm at SG Ball again, learning the game. And so that's a good sign when you know you got players coming in and they're relearning how to play rugby league. And I think that's what Webster's done. He's like kind of retaught them how how the game can be played or in a different way. And they're all viewing it in that way and, t- and taking the uh, the opportunity. So, yeah, no, it's just awesome watching those guys work from the back.
0: I've got to give some credit to the forward pack, which I thought has been sensational this year. And um, no matter the challenge, that they've risen up to the occasion. And it is one player I feel like we've got a shout-out and special uh, mention to and That's Adam Van blake Obviously, I think he's been phenomenal. Um both on on field with this game, but also how he's carrying himself as well. I feel like he's really developing into that leader and that leadership role that he was brought to the club for, and we're seeing that really reap the benefits now. I know a lot of people that weren't Warriors fans when they originally signed him were probably thinking he's not the leader for a club like there's no way in the world he's got the attitude for it." But again, it's just one of those players who have just stood up uh, to the occasion and. Just the way he's playing at the moment, it's phenomenal to watch the way he's able to just terrorise uh, forward packs. And this isn't just no-name forwards either. These are fully developed forward packs that have been dominating for years, and he almost takes them on by himself, and the rest follow, and it's phenomenal to watch.
1: Yeah, eden has been a revelation in terms of you know um, his career path. Uh, I think, like you said, probably people didn't see him as that leader. And you know some guys they 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 don't carry on to big leaders and they kind of stay just in that vein or of whatever they are and but but, I think Adam's gone to another level per, for himself personally, and we're just seeing that you know his performances are just have been so consistent. um he's been the most consistent in my eyes We and, and you know for forwards, ford's you know outside of the elite, those numbers can jump up and down each week, you know in terms of uh, consistency but Addin has just been doing his his role really really well. Um, I think at the Warriors they they say he's the most talented athlete and you can tell he is he's definitely is uh, he's got all the skills. Uh, his ball playing is great too, his footwork at the line um, and strength. Um, and then just level headedness I think for Adam in the past, you know when things like a lot of our players when when things get frustrated and things aren't going to play and they would do offload silly things silly passes i think you've seen that kind of drop off this year where we're kind of completing at a higher rate and 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 um but guys are all learning at the right times and i think adam's kind of doing that he's, he's he's picking his moments when to do you know things that he can do but um you know a lot of the guys are learning um and he's just been that ultimate leader where he just everyone just follows him um you, you'd hate to think especially at our team um you know what what would happen if adam wasn't on the field and that's why I always knock on wood wherever I am that he that he stays healthy uh we've had a really good run with Adam um this year Adam Sean and a few others where those key playmakers you know you don't want them getting injured so but uh there's a level of fitness especially of this team that has you know these guys are able to continue to keep their minutes up um you know Adams Adams even gone I think he's been doing he was initially doing like 30 minute Stints then off, but now he's been almost doing straight fifties or, or fifty five, something like that. So that that tells me that he's he's in good form, good fitness, um and yeah, he's just been awesome, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned that as well, the fitness side of things, and it's the fittest I've seen the Warriors in in a number of years. I'd probably yeah. say ten plus years. It's. A great thing to see. It's probably one of their downfalls in recent years where the fitness hasn't been there, it's just been um, taken. Um, once it gets about 20 minutes to go, teams override them. But one final player I want to just do a shout out for and get your thoughts on is and I think it's best to describe this guy as the glue for the team we have talked about the fact that the backs are going so well the forwards are going so well Sean Johnson Metcalf they're all doing their job but Wade Egan and it's been talked about recently is a form competition a form hooker of the competition and probably all, all year and that's a massive wrap for a guy who I spoke to a few Flores fans at the start of last year, remember, and they almost wanted him out of the club. So um, it's been a massive turnaround, and it's phenomenal to see just how, as I said, he can keep – it just says that he's the glue that just keeps everything together, and he picks his time and knows exactly what to do.
1: Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, Egan's, he, He's he's big time for us. Um, yeah, I think a lot of us, myself included, didn't see that this kind of breakout season for him. Um but again I think that COVID period you kind of couldn't get a good read on a lot of a lot of guys and 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 um with that instability you kind of looked a bit you know harsher on on, on certain guys. But now definitely part of Webster's system has seen him open up. But um his reading of the game, I've talked about it before in, in a lot of my videos, his his timing, knowing when to go, when to push, when to slow down. You know, that's a big thing about being a hooker is pushing the pace at certain times or, you know, what different types of looks you get off the rack and then uh, knowing when to just, hey, just play play the you know, first receiver, just simple stuff and I think he's he's really found that balance. Um, look, he had a tough time at the start of the year, no doubt about that. There was uh, his HIAs. He's had a few of those issues, so um, he's coming into a really good run of form here where he hasn't had HIA lately and so you're just hoping that he stays healthy but, you know, what... He is the glue. He's the, he's the pace setter. He's the one that gets the sets going. He's the one that gets the halves and the you know the ball in the right places at the right times. Um, I think all of those guys, the the forward pack and himself included, have got a really good feel for the game, um, knowing when to hit a certain play or, or go to the edges, you know. Or okay, yep. And so, but he's the one that's keying it off. He's telling the guys, hey, hit, hit back and behind. Okay, go out, go wide now, whatever it is. So, you, you, you're right. He is the glue. He's that big the piece that kind of takes us to that next level. I, I do really believe that, you know, the, the points we've been scoring lately. Like, if you think about the Warriors the last five years, we've we struggled to score over 18 points a game on average. There were games there where we couldn't get to 20. Um, and it was frustrating as a fan watching other teams score on average, you know, 30 points. And I'm like, man, why can't we score points? Um, and so now you're seeing with, with Wade's game, it's just opened that that the offensive game up really nicely, and now that we reach, we've reached, I think we've reached maybe three or four 40-point games, it might be you know to three or four 30-point games, and it's just nice as a fan to finally, because we were struggling for points for a long time, we just couldn't score. Um, so now it's nice to see him as part of that that package in terms of getting that offensive flow, and especially in the Warriors, when, when the Warriors have done well, it's because that overpowering amount of points and it just excites the fans and you see it at Mount Smart once they start scoring tries, mate, the energy just starts to lift and lift and so I th- think, you know, that's been a big part of the enjoyment of the year. Um, it doesn't, you know, you, you got to be careful to, to think, uh, you know, offense is, is the key. It's, it's not really, it's really a defensive and you're still seeing strong defense uh, even from Wade, but to see him kind of just make those darts, line breaks, you know, he's making at least a line breaker game, you know, at the moment. And support play, most importantly, has improved. We struggled for support play at the start of the year. He was still making his line breaks, but no one was on the end of them to help him out. So now we're starting to see people get on the end of them and and they're just in fine form.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the fact of the atmosphere, the games, it's getting better and bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger as well. I want to talk about... The run home now, uh, and where you can see the Warriors finishing up, and, and how the season progresses from here, the business end of the year, it's a good run home. Um, it's it's fair to say that out of the top eight sides, and probably the top nine sides, because it's a top, I think it's a nine-horse battle uh, at the moment. It's probably the most favourable draw out of out of all the teams, which is uh, a good thing for you guys. I think the atmospheres, as you said, are going to continue to grow, which is pretty scary for oppositions. Um, and I hope we get to the finals. It's a home final there, and we get to see that old blackout scene that we've seen yeah. in previous um, years at the place. Where, where do you see the warrior season progressing?
1: Yeah, I, I do see it as a progression. Uh, it's it's um, you, you can't afford to uh, you know have a good run here and then and kind of drop off and leak points. Um, in the back end uh, we've got five games that are, are you know on paper are reasonably comfortable should we say based off of where those teams are and where we are um but i think the importance is to maintain defensive integrity and, and consistency so you know points may come and go i mean I, I don't not like expecting 40 point games every game i don't think that's a big indicator but defensively you want to continue to leave teams with only two tries a game or whatever it is to kind of that's going to be the part when you come to finals is, you know, how how good is your defense and how can how is that going to hold up against, you know, the premier teams like a Penrith. It's unfortunate we don't really get a game against another top eight team uh, in that last run. Um, I mean, it's good for us. We can really push for our home semi um, and like you said, get that blackout, but you got to try and what you want to try and time your run. So that when you do hit those finals, you, you're not you haven't it's not like you're burnt out or anything. So I think it's gonna be a big big job from Webby to try and you know, you gotta keep points coming. And there is like a big title race here, like you said, Souths are coming hard. You know, the Cowboys, um Paris still lingering lingering around. Um, you know, there's there's you know, the Raiders are, are there are thereabouts. Uh, we've got them this week. Um, even though the Sharks are losing, you know, they've still got a window there with they they can make a run there. So you still got to pile on those points uh, against those teams. So you got to beat them. Um, but it's the way of, you know, maintaining your defensive um, integrity and, and those things that you got to keep those things strong. Otherwise, you know, you'll fizzle out come the finals. And as a fan base, we don't want that. We While we're here, we want to make the best run of it. So I think Webby's going to try and balance that, you know, in terms of bringing new blood in. Uh, we've got a few guys coming back off of injury. So it's a matter of, you know, getting those guys in. Uh, maybe resting a few other guys and, and just keeping everyone's, you know, um, emotional, mental, physical levels at a good level. So um, hopefully, you know, yeah, we've got a favorable run, but you've got to be very careful how you want to try and approach it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Finally, just on, I think no matter what, this season is going to be a success. And A quick look into next year. And it was just a, uh, regarding a post that I put up at uh, start of the week in regards to, the phenomenal depth you guys will have next year in the spine. Uh, you bring back one of your favourite sons in RTS, and um, Chanel comes back as well from uh, a, a year away from the game. Who do you see as your one, six, seven, and nine uh, for next year?
1: Yeah, good, good question. I, I think as a fan base, at least we're very, we're all a kind of very happy with Chance. I think as a fan base, we um, and, and and even talks around the club has been that. Um, RTS will go to right centre. Um, we've got good centres right now, but they're they're still underdeveloped a little bit in terms of experience and and those things. Uh, Rocco Berry's going well at the moment, but you know still needs time. Um, Adam Pompey has been you know our most consistent this year, and um, we're not sure what he's doing right now. There wh- there whispers that he's coming back, um, but he may not. So you RTS kind of fills nicely in that centre role. But also can cover fullback. Um, but I think as a fan base, we're very happy with Chance. And from all reports, as that Chance continues to stay into that number one position, um, look, it probably Metcalf is a difficult one because Tamati started the season well, but uh, you know before his injury, um, kind of got to him. But you know Metcalf's kind of risen and and produced well. Um, there was an interview on the SCNZ over here this week about Metcalf and they asked him, you know, what's his plans moving forward. And I think he wants to be a genuine seven. Um So, you know, Metcalf, I think, you know, he may end up going back to, to Sydney. I would say if, if someone gave him an offer uh, that he couldn't refuse, I'm, I have no doubt that he want to be a, a genuine seven moving forward. Um And, and you know, with, with Sean you know, playing next year, um I suppose for Metcalf, he's got to think, you know, okay, if I can bide my time another year here, you know, do I get the spot, the starting seven spot? Um, but, you know, I'd like to say he hangs around um, for another year of development, Um, um But, in my if all things being well, I think I'd stick with Tamairi at six. Just he comes with a lot of experience, and if he's healthy, uh, I do love what he does defensively, and I think he can do just as much as Metcalf, although Metcalf is a bit younger, and and um and a bit more energy uh but you know toight is just as good as well so yeah that that's a tough one at the moment as we're seeing Metcalf, you know develop and grow um, but I'd say with toighty at the moment um and then Sean obviously at number seven for at least next year and then uh, Wade has just resigned till 2025 as well so that kind of wraps up your spine in terms of um, you know what 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 it would look like but you know the RTS element, will be very interesting to see how he goes in the centers, you know. We're so used to him as being at least a winger or a fullback, you know, predominantly Delian fullback of, you know, that he was. Um but I think Chance has just he's just done so much um in that position this year that he's he's kept that spot. Um but you'd like to see, you know, um RTS on the edge and, and working his footwork, you know, um those types of things to try and, you know, be a bit more creative on our edges. Um but yeah, I'd like to see probably Metcalf hang around if he's willing to develop another year and then you kind of reevaluate after twenty twenty four if Sean's still got it. Or well, if not, well then maybe Metcalf, you know, is the guy that you want to carry forward. But with his injury history, I'd love to see Metcalf just do a, a complete another complete year of no injuries um for his hamstrings and then go from there pretty much. But those Sydney clubs may be looking at him and thinking, Hey, we we could use you. So there's isn't it, you know, he probably might head home.
0: It's a good point you make about that. I was going to quickly bring that up before we finish up here it was that Metcalf, when he was, the way he said that in the interview, it makes me feel like his manager's been in his ear a little bit saying, yeah. look at the clubs at the moment. There's a lot of clubs at the moment struggling in terms of looking for a half. Uh, there's not many around at the moment. Yeah. I know, I think, Metcalf has 12 or months with you guys until he uh, is off contract. So it's, it sort of looks like it's a little push to say, hey, there's a couple of clubs out there looking at a yeah. halfback and need one urgently. Let's start to, to make some inquiries here because, as we've said, the depth next year for you guys is ridiculous. So... Uh, I mean, you watch I think I'll watch your space, I think in a way nothing will anything will happen at the moment while the run's happening in the off season we we'll see what happens because there's yeah um, it's not one of those ones there and and just see what happens so um, look guys that that's it I said to and um, we'll, we'll keep it to about a thirty minute episode, so I really appreciate you jumping on wise up, look, get around them uh, as as you mentioned as well, it's not just Warriors fans if you just love those pages that just get in and look at the finer details of rugby league. This is definitely one I can highly recommend. It's phenomenal to watch. It just keeps you engaged and interested and it's got me on the bandwagon for the Warriors. So cheers yeah. bro. Really appreciate you, you jumping yes. on. Hopefully we can look at maybe something around finals time if the uh, when the Warriors are in there and hopefully it's a blackout yeah. and maybe we can jump on and have a quick little uh, preview of one of the finals games or something, but thanks for, for coming on.
1: Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate everyone's support. of <coughs> me. And, um, you yeah, know, we'll look forward to it. Yeah, if we, if we come around finals time, man, hit me up,
0: and I'll, I'll happily come on. Sounds Thank good. Thank you. Go the Warriors.